Welcome to The Recap, the part of our podcast where we recap this week's sermon. We're here today, right after uh, church, we're recording it, uh, with Dr. Richard Shank. Uh, He's a professor at Bethlehem College and Seminary, and he's one of our South members. So, Rick, thank you so much for preaching this morning. Good to be with you guys. It was was really great. Of being Um, part of South. Yeah. And uh, we also have Peter Thorpe uh, sitting here on the mic. Hi, Peter. Hi. How are you, Nick? He's one of our elders. I'm doing well. You did like everything this morning, or you did a lot of stuff this morning. Yeah, yeah. Did the communion and the benediction and the prayers, and it was great. Thank you for doing that. You're welcome. It was my joy. Um, So Genesis 19. So this is a a, a fairly, well, horrible text. (laughs) Um, So let me just see if I can remember the points. Um, Lot, uh, are we righteous but unwise? Right, so Lot was, he was clearly righteous, but unwise, um, flirting with sin, um, being influenced by the world around him. Uh, Number two, are we entangled in the world like Lot's wife? Um, And so running after the things of the world more than we're running after God, right? Those types of things, that's a good question to ask ourselves. And then number three, three, uh, like Abraham, are we interceding? Are we hope-filled for the world? Are we um, not meeting the world with, with judgment, but with discernment and discerning accurately what's around us and then having hope, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not condemning, but offering the gift of the gospel and hope that's in Jesus. So did I, did I get that pretty right? Yeah, the, maybe the one difference is it, it actually does include condemning. So we're affirming and approving of mm-hmm. God's wrath. There is condemning in there, but the condemning isn't because they're not like us. Right. The condemning yeah. isn't because we speak from a position of goodness as opposed to Christ righteousness. Mm-hmm. So there is some condemning in there and that yeah. makes it very hard for the not yet Christian to hear. Yep, yeah. yep, that's good. Awesome. So was there anything in your study uh, this week as you're preparing that maybe if you had you know, an hour in your sermon as opposed to you know, 40 minutes that you would have liked to include but you didn't, didn't, weren't able to hit on? Well, Nick, you were a student in my systematic theology, so you know that uh, yes. there's, pr- there's two hours of stuff I've got here that yeah, we can go through. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> we'll take the cliff notes. <laughs> let, me, let me take just one for starters, and then maybe you can uh, um, either expand or push back or mm-hmm. have some ways. One of the things that impressed me was that Lot is recapitulating the story of Noah. And I think that's intentional on the part of the author, Moses, that he is making comparisons. So Noah and... Lot were both righteous men. Um, Peter tells us, even if we didn't catch it as we read through, that Lot was righteous. And when Noah was in the ark, God said, Moses said, God remembered Noah. Mm -hmm. And again, as I mentioned in the sermon, Mm -hmm. he didn't quite do that with Lot. It was God remembered Abraham, and so he saved Lot. But again, the context is there. Hmm. After Noah survived the flood, saved by God, he got drunk. So also Lot after he survived the fire, distinct from the flood, saved by God, he got drunk. Yeah, the text says uh, his daughters made him drunk, but not without his own eager participation. They didn't force him. Mm-hmm. When drunk, two of Noah's sons, son and a grandson, do something sexually sketchy with mm-hmm. Noah. Right. And so when Lot was also drunk, his daughters had children by him. Mm-hmm. Noah, when he discovered what had happened, was furious. Sadly and in distinction, Lot was not, at least not according to the way the author wrote the story. Knowing he had Noah in mind, we would have expected that. If he did not know what happened, 
Certainly when his unmarried daughters become pregnant, something should come to mind. Mm -hmm. And the names that he gave, they gave the sons, indicated these are dad's kids. Finally, Noah's obedient sons covered their father's nakedness Mm -hmm. by walking backwards into the tent. Lot's name means covering. And I wanted to talk about that at some length, but didn't have time. But though Lot's name meant covering, it was to no effect for all of these sins. Coverings represent an order of God and his protection. Tabernacle and the temple um, had covers. The footrest for God was the mercy seat. Um, It was a cover of the Ark of the Covenant. The coverings both hid the face of God in the Holy Holies of Holies, separating us from him. And so Lot's name is symbolic of God's protection and covering, but he didn't do it. Hmm. He offered no covering for his sons-in-law, his unnamed wife, or his disobedient daughters. He did not publicly grieve their sin or become angry, nor cover them, at least not in the story as told by Moses, who's setting up these connections with Lot and Noah. I just, I'm not yet sure Hmm. what we should do with that. But the yeah, intention a, of the author was so big. That's the question is, what, is that, what does that matter? Well, you know, as profs, we say we, we leave that for the student. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, you know, I think sometimes we're so driven by application that we forget that part of our job is to absorb and be conformed by God's word. Once we know God's word, the spirit is active in you as much in me. I don't need to Mm -hmm. spoon feed all applications. If the word is in us and it shapes us, the spirit himself will tell us this is how to live this out Mm -hmm. in the moment. Maybe not even today, maybe not this year. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. Um, I just thought of this. So this isn't on the the script or anything we talked about. Um, But so you mentioned that part of Lot's unwisdom Mm -hmm. was you know, when he had to choose where he was going to settle, he chose to go to the city right? where there was already wickedness, right? The men were already wicked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought- It looked pretty, but right, it was yeah. full of a mess. <clears throat> yep. And, and so I thought, man, you know, that is, that's so true. We don't want to put ourselves in positions where we're putting ourselves under the influence of sin for it to influence us. And yet we're called to live in cities, Right, mm-hmm. you know, and so like people in the city, they need, they need Jesus, right? And lest we should think that we're more righteous because we only live in the suburbs, right? You know, <laughs> sin is everywhere. Um, so how do we? How should maybe just some thoughts off the top of your head? How should we think about intentionally? God has put us here for a reason. We don't want to just run away from the city because it's wicked, but we don't want to, you know, take it lightly of, you know, the influence of those things around us. Um, you know, it's not, we shouldn't just like encamp ourselves in the suburbs and just like, no, we're not going to think about the need of the city or the need of the people around us. Yeah, that's well said. That would be a misguided application mm-hmm. um, to take this and say, this is a call out of the city mm-hmm. as a general case would be wrong on two accounts. One, God's going to redeem the city. So we start with the garden. Mm-hmm. And then we get the evil city, yeah. uh, the yep. Babel project. Mm-hmm. And coming out of that, we come to the end of the story. We might expect that we all live in a perfect garden mm-hmm. only, right. but we actually live in a perfect garden city. So right. God is redeeming the city and he's using you and I, but he is at least showing this in this context. There are right ways and wrong ways to live in the city. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And 
There are right ways and wrong ways to be a righteous person who says that is wrong. And Peter tells us my heart was grieved or Lot's heart was grieved, but that's not enough. It's not enough to be grieved at sin. We have to fight it in ourselves. He didn't sufficiently. Mm -hmm. And we have to keep each other in line with God's reality, which Mm -hmm. is, I think, one of the big things that comes out of this story, is we can be opposed to sin, but still warped by it in that 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 sin distortion field that fabulizes our thinking. Mm -hmm. That that idea of how he lived just troubles me because it could be me. Right. Mm. Yeah, it could be any of us. Absolutely. That's great. So it's not against the city. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think you're right. Yep. Yep, that's great. Now, one of the fun things, this didn't make it, it's speculation. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, quote, put quotes around this, parentheses. Why did he leave the city he was in? Why did he leave Zoar? And the text doesn't tell us, but it is interesting that he, he went to battle to get out of the mountains where God sent him mm-hmm. and get to Zoar. He made it there safely. That's where his wife turned back. Mm-hmm. Question is, why after the next section, which picks up again, with Lot, he's leaving Zoar and going to the mountains without an explanation. So pondering- Because he didn't want to go to the mountains in the he first didn't place. He did not before. Yeah. Uh-huh. So why right. now? Yeah. What uh-huh. changed? Yeah. There's only one thing in the story that changed. So if stories are worlds r- r- built by authors that we might learn, we would ask, what's the one new thing? The only new thing in Zoar is this statue of his wife gazing back oh at the city. Oh boy. So, you know, I can imagine him coming out Get every out day there. and saying, what do I do with this? Right. Do I bury it? Do I paint it? Uh, do I put flowers <laughs> on it? Or do I throw a drape over it? You know, right. do I cover it? I'm the coverer. Do I cover her? But to actually, and remember, Zoar is a one street town. Yes. Yeah, very it small. Had, it's very twice. small uh-huh. twice. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he's got it. This isn't the other part of the town. He can't move. You know, every, every day he sees her looking back, this statue of salt. I'm thinking... He just couldn't handle that, so he fled to the mountains. Hmm. But that's Shank's speculation. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. I never would have thought about that. Uh, no. Didn't huh. think Interesting. About that. Peter, do you have any takeaways or questions or anything from, from the sermon this morning? You know, uh, my one question, and this is probably off the wall, but one of the things we talk about when Jesus rises uh, again is that he's on the shore and that he's eating fish. And uh, he's not. He didn't just raise spiritually, but he, he raised bodily. Right. And so I thought it was interesting that the author here. I'm going to get to the wrong place, but he makes a point that they sat down and they made him a feast. You know that these were two angels, yes. and he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Verse three says, and I just thought, just thought that was odd that uh, angels eat, because I feel like that's often something I go to in the resurrection story to say, hey, he was really a body. He had fish. That's right. He was eaten. And here it's, well, it seems like these angels do have bodies. And they it does. Eating. It does. And we have, the, we have a similar parallel story with Abraham when he feeds them. Right. Yeah, um, that's right. Just in it's chapter 18. And so, yeah, I think it's just a good observation, Peter. I'm just celebrating your observation that... <laughs> We are not accidentally bodies. And it, one of the things I've been thinking about lately is what is death? We have the idea that death is non-existence or becoming unconscious. Mm-hmm. That actually has very little traction scripturally. Mm-hmm. Scripturally, death seems to be the anti-miracle that God is able to separate 
spirit from body or soul from body, which hmm. can't, in quotes, can't be done. It's the anti-creation, it's the anti-miracle. And yet he does, and he preserves us as spirit, hmm. but you're right, he re-embodies us and those bodies will eat because it says in the new kingdom, mm-hmm. we are going mm-hmm. to feast with Christ and he himself will serve us, mm-hmm. which is stunning in itself. Yeah. But like Jesus, we'll be eating. We are always body souls. We're not primarily souls, we're right. not primarily bodies, but yeah. the body part never goes away. That's that right. great observation. Yeah. And it's even true for angels, which yeah. is stunning. Yeah, that's interesting. That's awesome. Also that one other thing I just thought, I thought uh, you're drawing attention to Lot's wife looking back and then Abraham looking down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and just one right next to each other in the in the passage and how different those looks were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one was a, a look of longing uh, at sin and at um, what, what, things what left was. Things behind. Right, things uh, longingly. And then uh, one is a look of, of worship uh, towards God's righteous wrath in, in, mm-hmm. in that way. So I thought that was a, a helpful draw out. Yeah, I think it's, it's helpful for us to see that what God forbids to one can be permitted to another. Yeah, that's right. And that's, that's confusing to some of us who want sure. life simple. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Life is anything but that. Yeah. That's good. In our embodied souls series. That, Hi, Ethan. Hi. E- Ethan's Hello. jumping in. I'm here. <clears throat> um, in our embodied souls series that we're going through right now on the podcast, yeah. we talked about just that. Um, was it last week, week before? Whenever we did the last one. Yeah. Whenever the last one was. Yeah. Yep. Right on, right on topic. Yeah, absolutely. This this uh, segues perfectly into what we're talking about on the other podcast. Oh, so listen to that too if you want to talk about being embodied souls and what that means for our daily lives. So, well, this has been really great. I think we're we're about out of time here, but thank you so much, Rick, for yeah, thank you, uh, Rick. preaching and for this time together. Uh, really appreciate it. Love being part of South. <laughs>